Today, I want to wrap up this series, Hey God. Hey God, I have a question. And, and I, I've really enjoyed this series, not only to share God's word, but just what it's done for my life. Because I know there's areas where I, I'm growing and need wisdom. And these, these are some tough questions that we've tackled. And I really feel like today is going to be an, an encouragement to us. And if you've missed out on any of these weeks, jump online and uh, catch up. But what I'll tell you this is, before I even dive into this message is, I mean, I really deliberated this week on, should I share it? How should I share it? There's part of me that just kind of wants to put, push it off and share something a little more fun. But I know this is, it's a word that I've shared before and a topic I've shared before. And I'm coming back to it again because I know that we need it. I need it how to deal with this particular situa situation. And the question I want to ask today and maybe help answer is, is, hey, God, how can I love even when it hurts? How can I love even when it hurts? And I just titled the message, Even When It Hurts. The, the truth is, is that when things are good, when other people are acting right, when, when everything is, when the stars are aligned, it's easy to love people, but how do we love people through the disappointment and heartache and pain in our life? The question I have for you this morning is that, is there anyone in your life that's difficult to love? Oh, come on, you just woke up on me. It's a rhetorical question. We all have somebody in our life that's difficult to love. Let me just take it a step further. Is there anybody that drives you crazy on Facebook? Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. I'm not going to meddle there for too long, but, but, but I mean, is there anybody you know? Come on, you are, you're already ready to elbow and look. Just keep your eyes this way. Come on, you know the person on social media that they, they, all they do is complain about everything in their life. You're friends with them, but you, you got to ignore their posts because, man, they just put you in a bad mood reading about everything that's going on. I, I mean, it's just misery is their best friend. Or then you've got the friend on social media that they are still trying to convince you to join their political party. Oh, come on. You've got, you, am I the only one that has that friend? Y'all are getting way too quiet on me. I know you live in the same Facebook world that I do. Right, and they're trying to convince you that their mindset and way of thinking is right and it drives you crazy. Or their life, somebody else in, in, in your friend circle, their life, it seemingly is just one big vacation. Oh yeah, all, everything. I mean, they are just hopping from one destination to the next. Their life is way better than yours, it seems like, on Facebook. And I think we all have people that drive us crazy. We all have people that are difficult to love. And those are kind of superficial and those are frustrating situations at times. But here's, here's the truth is there's others in the room that the heartache and heaviness you feel over the pain you've experienced is beyond words. Some of you are walking through seasons and situations of, of pain and loss and, and frustration. and It's so hard for you to love through the hurt. It's so hard for you to forgive through the pain. There's people in the room that have experienced verbal and physical abuse. Others have been neglected. Others have been lied to. Maybe there's promises that have been made that were never kept. 
money that you lent to somebody, but you never got it back. A brother, a sister who turned their back on you. Maybe you've walked through divorce. And disappointment after disappointment in your life has caused so much unforgiveness. And you, this morning, if you're being honest and you start to pull up some of the wounds and the pain, you realize this, is it's so hard to love when it hurts. It's so hard to love when it hurts. And this morning, I'm glad you asked the question because I want to talk about it for a few minutes. How do we love even when it hurts? If you got your notes, John chapter 13, I want to take you there and share a couple of verses together. But I think it's so important to understand the context of this passage. We could read these two verses, but to know what is going on is really makes this powerful. And if you're new in your faith, let me tell you, the, John chapter 12, 13, 14, right before Jesus goes to the cross, are some of those powerful scriptures in all the Bible, Jesus' final words. John chapter 13 begins, Jesus is with his best friends. They're in the upper room sharing the last supper together. At the very beginning of the chapter, he gets down, models humility and servanthood for them when he washes their feet. Then he predicts Judas' betrayal, and Judas leaves the room, turns his back on him. And here we have Jesus in verse 34, and he says this. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment to you now. Let me stop right there. This is so powerful because to us it feels like, why is this a new commandment? But in that day and in that culture, they believed an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You do me wrong, I do you wrong back. It was a culture where justice prevailed. And, he's, and Jesus was turning justice on its head. And he says this. He says, love each other just as much as I love you. You know, it sounds so simple and so easy on a Sunday morning, right? It's like when I tell my boys, boys, just have a good attitude. It should be so easy. They should just follow along, but, but never do they just take and go, yeah, dad, sure, I'll have a great attitude. No problem. I'm, I'm glad to do that. No, he, but Jesus, he says to us, love each other just as I have loved you. Right before he goes to the cross, he goes on, he says, your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What, what is Jesus saying? He's saying this, the way that we love and the way that we forgive is a reflection of the way that God has loved us. As I was studying, I was thinking about this week, the word that came to mind was regift. You, you know, at Christmas time when you get the gift cards and you get the gift cards that you don't really care about that much. I mean, the stores you're not interested in and you just save it for your friend's birthday. Come on. Oh, you are way too quiet on me this morning. You know, you've done some regifting before, but, but that's stuff that you, you really don't want or don't care about. But what we do when we forgive and we love people, we're regifting the greatest thing that has ever happened to us. We're, we're, we're pouring out what Jesus has poured into us. You know, yesterday at the house, was, it just fits right in line with the message, but we're, we had a party at our house yesterday. We had a house cleaning party, everybody. We sent out invites, but nobody showed up. It was just, just us. And we, we had this conversation this week, and I was talking with Jen. I'm just a clean freak, a neat freak. And I, I said, babe, enough is enough. We need to have like an all-in family day, the kind of cleaning where you don't just like vacuum around stuff, but you're like pulling stuff. Like it's a moving, you know, you're moving everything, furniture. And as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of, 
because sometimes we struggle with the cleaning deal. And it made me think of the meme that I saw this week from somebody at church they shared. They said, you know, when it comes to laundry, you know, it takes 30 minutes to wash. You know, drying is 60 minutes, folding seven to 10 business days. Come on. Who's with me? You know what I'm saying? You know you got laundry sitting in that chair that nobody sits in because it's the laundry chair. It was on yesterday in the Morris house. We woke up this morning, Jen said, are you as sore as I am? I'm like, yeah, I hate to admit it, but I am a little sore actually. Like we, we got after it. And I was in the back room with the boys in the play area and I just started, man, we just started finding all kinds of stuff. We're pulling out cabinets where all their games and I, I mean, look under the cabinet and there's countless video games that they haven't played since who knows when. I mean, there's cables, there's cords, there's dust, there's goldfish. You could have survived a week on the stuff we found underneath <laughs> that cabinet. We, we, we start wrapping up these cables and I got their Nintendo Wii. They've also got an Xbox. And I said, boys, you know what? You hardly ever play with this Nintendo Wii. Why don't we just give this away? Oh, man, I'm telling you. It was like I was about to give away their very best friend, man. I mean, Caden and Ben, they just started pleading with me. You know, Dad, we love the Nintendo. We haven't played as much as we should, but we, I mean, tell me all about the games. My guys, let's, let's, let's give this thing away. Caden said, well, if, if we're going to give it away, why don't we sell it? That's my boy right there. You know what I'm saying? Make a good 50 bucks and move on. I said, Caden. Nintendo Wii, man, it's not hardly worth, you know, any money now. It's, it's older, and let's, let's give it away. And I had this thought. I said, Caden, you remember, you remember how we got the Nintendo Wii? I said, but your Uncle Chris, he gave you his Nintendo Wii. That, that belonged to, to my brother, and he, and he gave it to you for you to have it. I said, we can't sell something that was given to us. The best response is for us to give it away. And as I began to talk with Caden, I could just see his, his, his mind, you know, just, just churning and realizing this, is that it was easier to give it away knowing that it had been given to him. Here, here's the powerful thought, and it's not in your notes this morning, is that we understand how good God has been to us that he's given us everything we need, that he's forgiven us, that he's loved us, that he sees how messed up you are and he keeps loving you anyway. How much more can we not give that kind of love to somebody else? Amen? Amen? So we walk in forgiveness and we re-gift it and keep giving it because God keeps giving it to us. But I think there's a few reasons why we struggle to give it. And I want to give them to you this more. If you're taking notes, number one, I think it's familiarity. Familiarity. It's one of the greatest challenges that keep us from walking in forgiveness. Because oftentimes the people we love the most are the people we hurt the worst. Hear me today, church. The people we love the most are the people we hurt the worst. And the hardest people to forgive are the closest ones to you. And I don't know if that's true for your life. I, I'm just kind of speaking from my heart this morning. Because that's where I'm at. Here's what I know is that, man, I've blown it so many times this week. And I've blown it so many times in my life. And I realize this. I've had to ask people this week, would you, would you forgive me for something I did? And there are times where I pray through and God gives me the words to say. 
and I'm able to ask for forgiveness. You know, there's even times I was thinking about it in the last six and a half years of, of pastor in Bay Chapel, where, where people maybe have left for different reasons or upset about something. I'm telling you, you know, I prayed through and I've forgiven them and I worked through it and I just keep loving them like Jesus loves them. But I tell you, when I blow it with my wife, it is so hard for me to say the words, will you please forgive me? I get locked, y'all, everybody. They just don't come out. They don't come out. And here's what I realize is that the people that are closest to me in my life are sometimes the hardest to forgive. How is it for you? How is it for you? A brother, a sister, mom or dad, a spouse, that they're so close and your intimacy, your relationship with them has put up a wall from walking in fellowship with them. Familiarity is huge. Number two, it's offense. Isn't it ironic, everybody, that Jesus has forgiven us for every offense and yet we still stay so easily offended. Offense is actually, the picture of it, it it's kind of like offense. It's all these little planks, these little things that over time build up and because we, we don't take them down quickly, they just begin to gather and create walls with people we love. It's unmet expectations, lack of appreciation. It's their poor driving skills. I could stay there for a while, but I'll keep moving on. Their, their, their lack of time management. They're always late. It drives you crazy. And we let these little things fester and build up and keep us from wholeness and peace in our relationships. I love what Proverbs 19 says. Verse 11. The proverb writer Solomon, he, he reminds us this, that a person's wisdom, wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. Like, God is growing me when I work through situations. Instead of sweeping them under a rug, I, I love, I shared a couple of weeks ago, but remembering this, offense is an event, but staying offended is a decision. Offense is an event. It's something that happened, but I have the power to choose whether I'm gonna live in that or move on from that and forgive and walk in love and choose to move on. I think that's a huge one. I think the third one is pride, is pride. Because if we're being honest, there is just something that feels really good about being right. Am I the only one in the room? I love that feeling more than, I mean, I'm telling you to hear Jen say you were right. It's just, that is my love language, man. I'm telling you, it's like, <laughs> thank you, babe. I love you. I love you. I'm having fun, but I struggle. I struggle sometimes with the healthy decision to make it right instead of being right. Instead of making right, instead of being right. God, help me to humble myself and choose wholeness over what I want, over healing, over what makes me feel good. It's not about my feelings. It's about walking in love and doing what Jesus has done for me. I'm not gonna let my pride get in the way. I'm gonna humble myself, just as Paul says from jail when he writes in Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, underline it, value others above yourself. I know that this is a tough word, and I know that 
on the surface. It can be easy to preach on a Sunday morning, but hard to live out on Tuesday. And there's people walking through all kind of pain. I'm going to just challenge you for the next few minutes as we share three thoughts on how to take next steps. Just lean in and say, God, God how can you use me to bring healing to my relationships? How, how can you help me walk in love even when it hurts? Let me give you three ways. Number one, pray for them. Pray for them. We, we don't feel like praying for them. But I think it's the best response. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, verse 43 and 44. He said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them. I'm telling you, this, this is easy to write on paper, but it's hard to live out. Because sometimes when you go to God for people that you're struggling with, you pray for them, all right? You're praying that God will give them hemorrhoids and a flat tire in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Anybody else done that? You, you prayed that prayer before. Listen. Because you love justice. I love justice. Some of you just like, Bring it back down, you know, like that, that's a bad thought for you. But we, we, we pray that God would give them what they deserve instead of what God has given us. And oftentimes what happens is what, when I go to God, God frees me from the pain that I'm in and the situation, the unforgiveness that I'm dealing with. Here's what I know in my life is that it's really hard to have a healthy conversation with a great God when I'm not at peace with my brother. I can't go to God with a tender heart full of love, asking for his forgiveness in my life when I haven't walked out forgiveness in somebody else's. I'm reminded what Craig Rochelle says. He, I love this thought. He says, praying for someone may or, not, may or may not change them, but it always changes me. It, it may or may not change them, but it always changed me. You know what I think it does? it releases us from trying to control people. Because what unforgiveness is, is it's me trying to manage dysfunction in my life. It's me trying to manage the mess. It's, it's me unwilling to surrender to a God who has forgiven me and say, God, I give them to you. I give that situation to you. I'm gonna walk in love in Jesus' name. One, pray for them. Number two, believe the best about them. Believe the best about them. Knowing this, I just wrote two thoughts in my notes I think are, are, are good reminders. One, it's not my responsibility to judge. And two, when I do judge others, I'm wrong most of the time. It's not my responsibility, and I get it wrong when I do. I, I just, I'm messing a situation up when I judge. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians. He says in chapter 4, So resist the temptation to act as judges before all the evidence is in. When the Lord comes... Look what he says. He will draw our buried motives, thoughts, and deeds out of the dark shadows of our hearts and to his light. God, I surrender it to you. I give them to you. You know what's going on. I think the word there is trust. I, I trust them with you. I give, I give them to you, God. I love what 1 Peter says. It's Peter writes in chapter 3. He says, never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly nor insult those who insult you, but instead 
respond by just underlining it. Speak a blessing over them. Speak a blessing over them. Because a blessing is what God promised to you. It's so powerful, church, to realize this, is our words have life, to speak life, to encourage, to, to bless, to believe the best about people. We speak life over people. We're believing the best about them. And here's what I also know, is that when we live in a way that honors God and walk in forgiveness and walk in love, they are seeing the greatness of God, the inside, what God is doing on the inside of us show up on the outside. Everybody, our, our bodies, our lives, our mouths are a reflection of what Jesus has done on the inside of us. I, I read an article, uh, it has actually been a few months ago, in a book, and I found other articles that shared the same sentiment. But it was about Apple, and I, I'm kind of captivated with Apple's story and what's happened with that company over the last 18 to 20 years. Remember back in the day, 2001, when they created this device that really changed the whole music industry, the iPod, the vision, they're going to put a thousand songs inside your pocket. Now we say that and nobody reacts like that's a big deal right now. It was a game changer in 2001. And then in 2007, they came out with the iPhone. And over the last 18 to 20 years, they've just revolutionized technology and our whole culture with the devices they've created, the, the iMac, the MacBook, uh, these little wireless earbuds. They created in 2010, the iPad. And I was reading this article about how much work and how much energy went into designing that product. Steve, Steve Jobs, his goal was this, is that when you picked up or when you saw a, an iPad or an iPhone, that the design on the outside would be a reflection of how great that device was on the inside. And so what did they do? They divided, devised this really sleek, thin, lightweight, shiny, just all of it was, it was curvy and just really appealing to the eye because they wanted, when you looked at the iPad or the iPhone, to feel like, man, I'm getting something that is so amazing and easy to use and just user-friendly. But they went a step further. They said that with each rollout of the new devices, the iPod, the iPad, the iPhone, that they actually hired people that for months on end would come into work every single day and do nothing but open and close boxes to perfect the iPad box, the iPhone box. I was actually reading this article and Steve Jobs, he said this, he said, we wanted to create a truly unforgettable unboxing experience. I, I'm just fascinated with the detail of that guy, man. He was, he was brilliant. We wanna create a, not, a, not just an unforgettable product, we wanna create an unforgettable unboxing experience. So as I read the article, I thought, man, I think we've got a few of these boxes around. And so I found my way to our spare bedroom in a closet way in the back. There's my boy's iPad boxes. Anybody else have an old iPad, iPhone, MacBook box somewhere around your house? Why is it that we keep the iPad box? We don't keep any other brown boxes. Because so much design, 
They actually spent so much work creating this box that there would be a feeling and experience around opening up the device, opening up the box. They made it so clean and so easy to use. It fits just snug on the box. They didn't make it out of regular cardboard, but it's a more expensive version. They didn't put cheap styrofoam in it that you would throw away. They designed it in such a way that the only thing that'll fit inside the box is the iPad itself. You can't really use it for anything else. And there's something about the feeling you have when you open that iPad that made you and made me feel like I wanted to keep the box. He said this, he, he said, I wanted people when they saw the box to understand how awesome the product was inside. When they saw and they experienced the iPad box, I wanted them to know how awesome the iPad was. You say, Wes, where are you going? Here's where I'm going. Let me tell you this, you are the box. You are the box. Every time somebody encounters you, they are getting a taste of what the King of Kings and Lord of Lords of all creation is like. You're the box. When you speak from your mouth life and you give life to people in the drive through line and at Publix and at Walmart and everywhere you go, you are speaking for the King of Kings and Lord of, God, Lord of Lords. I'm telling you today, what's the message this morning? Be the box, all right? Be the box. Hashtag be the box, all right? Let, let's love like Jesus and let's let the way we live and the way we move and the way we talk be a reflection of what God has done on the inside. Can somebody say amen this morning? Amen. Amen. Be the box. Walk and live this out. Because when we do, we speak life into people. We believe the best about people. We encourage them. We build them up. Number three, we make a decision to forgive them. We pray for them. We believe the best about them. And we forgive them. Paul says this as we close today. Ephesians chapter 4. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. He says, here's what you need to get rid of, and then here's what you need to do. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I know this isn't easy, church, and I'll be the first to admit I struggle. But when I take a moment this morning and I reflect on what Jesus has done for me, he knows my every sin. He knows my weaknesses. He knows the thoughts that I shouldn't think. And he keeps loving me. He keeps loving me. He loved me so much. He stretched his arms wide and he prayed to his father, Father, forgive them. Forgive Wes, for he knows now what he does. All I know this morning, I don't know how to do it well and I don't get it right all the time. But my only response to a God like that is to love people the way he's loved me. To forgive people the way he's forgiven me. And I believe this is that, and I've experienced it, when I do the right thing, when I walk in that, there is so much joy and there's so much peace.
there's healing that happens. My prayer today is that wherever you're at, whatever unforgiveness, whoever that person is that's so unlovable, that God would just put in our hearts the strength, the wisdom of what to say, and the courage to walk that out in Jesus' name. Why don't you just close your eyes this morning, bow your heads as we, as we pray together.